This is the Secrets We Share podcast, a show about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the left and rights of mental health care in Australia. Here's your host, Francis Carlton. Welcome to Secrets We Share, a podcast brought to you by The Secret Keeper, um, based in Canberra, Australia. This podcast is about mental health from the view of the practitioner as well as the client. So we get a bit of a cross-section from information about methodologies, the way that therapists work, but also we see how the clients are interacting with therapists and their process of, of healing. Today we are talking with Kate. She's based in Sydney. And she's very kindly welcomed me into her dining room where we've set up today to have a bit of a chat. And welcome, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Frances. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be a part of your podcast and I really wish you all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you. So can you just tell me, um, what would you like to talk to us about today with the way that you work? I'm a trauma-informed counsellor and psychotherapist. I'm based in northwest Sydney uh, in my own private practice. And I've been uh, practising for a few years now. And I mainly work with uh, women who have come to a point in their life where something's happened Either it's um, a catastrophic life event, um, a health diagnosis, or they've got to a point where they realise that something has to change and they want to, they recognise the value of therapy um, as a way of doing that. So really affecting some powerful changes in lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in all, in all areas of your life because I believe that once you start scratching away at the surface of one area, then um, other, other things start to happen as well. And, yes, it can be a little bit scary. There's no denying that. But the rewards and the, the strength um, that can be found as, as a process um, it's quite remarkable. Mm. Oh, thank you. So we can probably um, hear some hear some dogs in the background. That's okay. <laughs> Kate's got two two lovely dogs: a, a, a dash hound and a and a brown kelpie. So they're 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 quite perturbed at being left out of they the are, action uh, right now. Very <laughs> so upset. If you hear if, if you hear the whining of dogs, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's probably why. So you were just talking about trauma-informed therapy there. Can you tell me a little bit about what trauma-informed means? Yes. So I, for me, uh, it means that I'm always looking for um, signs and indicators uh, through the way people speak, their language, their body language, um, and as you probably know, Francis, it's as much as what people say as what they don't say. Um, so I'm always checking for that because I believe that as human beings, we have all these experiences um, that we may or may not recognise as uh, 
well, let's just say traumatic. Um, and we're not talking about massive uh, incidents such as car crashes or health diagnosis, anything like that. It can be the small traumas, as they're called, that um, can happen throughout our childhood and that we use, well, they're maladaptive techniques that get us through, that help us to get through childhood. So when you say a small trauma in childhood, could you give us an example of what one of those might look like? Yeah, a small trauma could be um, not just a singular event but a a repetitive uh, occurrence of the parent um, appearing as frightening to a child or if there's yelling between parents, that kind of thing. Yeah. So the child in that instance, you've got two parents that are constantly fighting. The child might learn to stay in the background and be quiet so that they don't, they're not noticed. Yes, that's right. Or they, they come to a conclusion. It's not necessarily a conscious thing where they, they learn ways that help them to, well, survive um, and seek love from their parents um, because there's not the cognitive ability to distinguish between, okay, well, my parents are yelling. That's not necessarily my fault. It's always my parents are yelling, therefore it is my fault because their scope of the wide world is not yet Mm. formed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Potentially quite a bit of damage can be done in childhood without even the child being aware of what's going on. Yes, that's right. And I've got one client at the moment who's just coming to the realisation of this and she's in her 50s. So, yes, and so patterns can be laid down and formed and that subconscious, that wonderful subconscious, which we always end up digging around in, um, it has... Like we're, I think the statistic is that 90% of our daily functioning is done by our subconscious. Right. So muscle memory and those sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. 90% of our day is done. I don't know how true that is. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, I know from my own experience, sometimes I'll be driving along and go, oh, I don't, how did I get here? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially that's... on those drives when you do them regularly. Yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah. yeah. And I know that that's put down to muscle memory and just purely, you know, being there. But sometimes it's a little bit scary when you realise that you've done a whole heap of stuff and kind of gone, I don't know what I've just yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. How did I get here? I don't recall driving mm. doing that drive to get there. And that's there. something we hear from quite, quite, quite a lot. How did I get here? Yes, exactly. It is. That's very true. So talking about how did I get here, how did you get here to being a therapist? (laughs) Great segue. I try. (laughs) I I guess I'd look back and chuckle because at school my friends always used to call me Kate the (laughs) counsellor. So it took me a while to get here. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school, so I just decided 
to get a secretarial um, qualification under my belt and that enabled me to travel and see the world and um, then met my now ex-husband this way, got married, you know, do what what society kind of programs us to do, Um, got married, ended up having two gorgeous boys and we were still travelling around. So have a lot of cultural experience. We lived in some very different places. And uh, one thing led to another and marriage went south, hit the rocks, and um, I decided for one reason or another that it was the end of the road. Um, Through my then counselling training, I had to work out, um, no, if I go back, I'll say first, that I had to decide what I wanted to do with my life. I was in my mid-30s, had been a mum for 10 years, uh, full-time, and just learning how to live in different cultures and different environments, which was very challenging. Looking back, it's, um, yeah, amazing. And uh, I just... I think it was because of my experiences through the marriage and what I then became to realise was toxic um, uh, controlling relationship and very isolating. Uh, and counselling was just a calling. Sounds a bit bit woo-woo and but, um, yeah, and that's what I decided to do. Yeah, and... Yeah, eight years later, I'm still glad that I did it. <laughs> do you um, do you work with people, or do you have private practice, or how how do you operate as a therapist now? Sure, I have my own private practice, and I'm NDIS registered, so I have beautiful clients through the NDIS, and I. Um, and with a EAP, that's an employee assistance program through the workplace. Just started up with that. Um, yes, and then I work with not through my private practice, but I also work with people uh, with mental and physical disability in the community, and that's really fulfilling as well um, because mental and well, I would say emotional disability too because there's a lot of trauma, again, that renders people incapable of working and participating fully in society. And I didn't realise that until I actually joined um, Home Care Heroes. I can mention them because they're just awesome. Home Care Heroes? Home Care Heroes and Higher Up. They do amazing work. Really amazing. Are they are they Sydney based organisations or are they wider wider spread? Home Care Heroes might just be Sydney based. I'm not sure. And higher up might be a bit more widespread. We can find that out, and I'll mm. put that put some information about that in the description yeah. for the for the podcast. Sure. If you want Great more idea. information about that, you there'll be info in the description. So just thinking about, um, it was funny you were saying about how you were Kate the counsellor at school. Mm. 
I was always told I could really keep secrets. Oh, so, fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, I think at some point it was meant to be um, for me as well. How poetic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, although it took me three years to come up with the name The Secret Keeper and it, it came to me in a flash in the in the shower one morning. As it sometimes does. Yes. Yes. When, you're least, when you're least thinking yeah. about it, if you sit down to try and decide, it can quite sometimes not happen, but it just in that flash moment. Yeah. So what's your, what's, mm. your business, what's your private practice called? Uh, I renamed it last year because it was just more in line with, I think, how I see the transformation from... Um, when someone first comes in to therapy and what happens in that kind of sacred, would you agree that it's kind of almost a sacred process? It's a very, it's a very individual and very personal process. Yes, yeah. And um, so I decided on chrysalis health and well-being mm. just because I think the butterfly perfectly reflects what what happens. Um, what can happen mm. uh, in the counselling process? Mm. Yeah, they've written some some clients do much better in the counselling process than others. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. So something um, I've I've been asking sort of practitioners is, how do you go when you meet a client who you don't think you're working well for? To be honest, I. I haven't come across one yet. Um, certainly there have been one-off sessions where someone's come in and thought, mm, maybe this needs looking at, but kind of within that session if we flesh it out a bit, it turns out that they just need a couple of strategies and that really they're fine. They're fine. Mm. Um Yes, haven't had one as yet, Francis. Mm. Yeah, it it does it does happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting happen. for it. <laughs> um, so I, I I do quite a lot of EAP work. Okay, um, and one of the things that um, you know we as therapists we're encouraged during our training to if the client if we can't service the client in the best way for them we're encouraged to refer onto other services or other other therapists. Mm, yeah. And I know that in the EAP space, because quite often people only have somewhere between three and six sessions, it's really important that that therapeutic connection is happening quite quickly. Yes. Because it's a very, very short um, amount of sessions that we have with them. That's right. So I know from in the EAP space, I refer a lot more than I do in my private practice, because there isn't there just isn't that time for that slow burn of That's right. building that relationship. Yeah, and in my private practice, I've had clients who have given me the big reveal. That have given me the big reveal after like ten sessions, but there's been lots mm. of there's been lots of work in that build up, mm. but then suddenly mm. you get. The big reveal, the the bit, the the main thing that they're there to talk about. Is that because you feel that they they feel safe enough to yeah reveal that yeah, and mm. because the things that have come later have been big reveals. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Where I'm literally the first person that they've ever told. Wow. 
So it takes that real time to build up that trust that I can tell you this thing mm. and you are not going to reject me for it. Yes, yes, because that's one of the main... Um, the, one of the main core wounds, I think, is such we all have such a deep fear of rejection, abandonment, um, death even, yeah, as humans. Yeah. So it can be quite, um, it can be quite a powerful, that, that connection between therapist and client is very important. Absolutely, yeah, and very difficult to manage the story within like if you have an EAP client to manage the story that's coming at you as well as creating that space for them to feel safe and heard yeah mm. especially when you have got that limited number yes <laughs> <laughs> and they give you the bit they give you a big reveal in a session three out of six and you're like nah, there's no way we can deal with this in three <laughs> sessions <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, you know so what what is it that you enjoy most about being a therapist? I love hearing people's stories. People are absolutely amazing, like where they've come from, how they've managed to get through to adulthood. Like that survival is so intrinsic, I guess within us um uh yeah and I often am sitting in awe like literally um with people's stories and but the recovery as well like that growth that can come sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't I'm not saying that counseling and psychotherapy is the magic bullet Definitely not. I don't believe in a magic bullet. I think there are numerous things we can be doing um, in this day and age and, yeah, so that would be the main thing that I enjoy. Okay. And when you when you do have a client who is giving you something that you're really sort of having to sit with, how do, mm. how, how do you go about that? How do you sort of like manage those really – quite deep and important moments? I, do you mean like after the session? During and during? after, yeah. Um, I find that, yeah, that's a good question. I'm really conscious of my body language in the session mm. and my facial expressions as well, so... I am trying to be aware of that and if someone reveals something and there's been some shocking things that have come out mm. to really, I don't know, it's sort of like a, an energy of holding onto my own reactions um, so that the client doesn't then go, oh, God, I've scared you, sorry, and then that kind of sends them off into guilt and shame. Um, yeah, and I've had a client 
He says, every time I leave here, I'm so worried about you. <laughs> that inner cricket, inner critic kicks off and I've just, I feel just terrible. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm, I'm here because I can manage it. Yes. Yeah, I'm here for you and the way I deal with it is I have my own systems in place and here I am the next week. I'm 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 still here for you. Yes, exactly. Mm. So how do how do you how do you manage those big things? Like what 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 is it that you do for yourself that allows you to hold that space for the client in mm. the moment but not hold on to that information? Sure. It's a trick. It is. <laughs> it's a real it, trick. It absolutely is. Yeah. I think because we have so much empathy and compassion for our clients that sometimes it's quite difficult. Like I've still got a client in my mind from yesterday and um, that's her first session, but I can see already that there's some major, major stuff that mm. she's ready to let go of or to to look at a little bit more closely. I think it's a combination of awareness, like self-awareness, um, going to supervision um, and just checking in with my supervisor about is this okay still to be feeling this um, unsteady or whatever it may be. Also even just like a red wine is great and I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> Self-medicating in yeah, moderation yeah, there. In yes. moderation. <laughs> yes, and never alone. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, 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 never alone. No, no. Yes. Um, but apart from that, like meditation, being out on the grass, like in my bare feet, I think is also good for all of us because that's a real um, – grounding exercise to have us connected to our beautiful Mother Earth. Um, and you do have an absolutely delightful grassy knoll right in front of your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And <laughs> so, uh, that's where I do sit, yeah, yeah so, with you the know, dog. <laughs> so uh, what's, um, I can't remember the, the name. Oh, uh, it, the beginning scenes in Die Hard where it's like to relax make fists with your toes. <laughs> I can just see you doing that yes. out in the grass outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, with the dog. <laughs> yeah, with the dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she's great therapy too, actually. Yeah. yeah. So walking walking the dog? Walking and... or just, just having her next to me, like she always comes up on the couch when, I'm, when I flake out at night. Mm. And um, going to the beach is great too. Beaches. Or you're in Sydney, so you can do that quite easily. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not landlocked camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? My partner is, like, he's my rock too. I'm really blessed to have a great partner. Mm. So he can handle my whinging and... <laughs> Those moments. Getting things off my to, chest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Which is important for us to do. Do you, do you also have yes. your own counsellor as well or do you just do supervision? I'm just doing supervision at the moment but I do go and have, um, I've been to see a lady who's a combination of, uh, she's a masseur but she's also very intuitive so she picks up things that are going on with me, um, 
So she helps me move through those energy blocks and issues. So she she is a counsellor by proxy, I suppose, mm. but because I incorporate um, energy healing into my practice, that's big for me too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about energy healing. How does that work? It's very individual. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's many different types. I started off learning uh, Reiki many years ago. Mm. That's the fingers on the head, right, Reiki? Yeah. So Reiki, it's, yeah, hands-on wherever it's kind of, it's a process where you're kind of drawn to shoulders or belly or somewhere where there's energy blocks. Um, And I've found since I've incorporated it into my practice that it's kind of morphed and grown into something that's not quite Reiki anymore. Um, But I can pick up where, say, energetic blocks where there might have been abuse or trauma. Um, And that's verified, of course, with the person I'm doing that with. Mm. Uh, So it's very intuitive-based and I found that that, that's a really good compliment Mm. to the counselling process. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So do you find that having the the hands-on and the touching part of the, the therapy is very different to when you have just practised talking therapy? Yeah, it is. And it's not – I don't – always it's not always a hands-on kind of thing but I always ask permission Mm. and just explain like how how it's um going to be Mm. yeah so it's not always necessarily hands-on but yeah it is quite different from that like I'm sure you had the same training where don't touch the clients we don't do this and we don't do that it's um I was told don't even shake the client's hand, but mm. I, I can tell you now I, if a client sticks their hand out for me to shake it as a hello or goodbye, I, I take their hand. I'm certainly not yeah. ever going to go, oh, no, I'm not going to touch yes. it. Because <laughs> that basically completely destroys down any trust that you've totally. just built up with somebody. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's about and, going with the client, definitely. Mm. And is that not part of human connection anyway? Oh, absolutely. I've had clients hug me at yeah, the end. Same. You know, when they've come to the end of sessions and the, you know, they've they've you know, they're 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 well on their way to to mm. to, to being on a, a much better path than they were on before. But then they've actually, you know, engulfed me in this huge hug yeah. and, and had tears because it's a parting. It's like, well, mm. I don't need you anymore. And that actually makes quite. some clients quite sad. Yes. And it's, and it's like, no, 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 it's good, it's good. So, you know, it's that moment when you sort of go, well, you know, I kind of hope I don't ever see you yes. again. <laughs> in the kindest possible in way. The, exactly, in the in the best possible way, uh-huh. you know. But you're more than welcome to come back whenever That's you, right. if you need to just check in, mm. come come back and check in. Yes. But, yeah, it's quite nice to be able to sort of, when a, especially when a client says, I don't think I need to come anymore. And then they can explain why. Yeah, yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah. magic. But yeah, I definitely um, agree with that. That because it's such a human experience, 
Yes, it's it's something that we need to just um, remember mm. that we're psychotherapists or counsellors but we're also human beings and that we're mm. deeply touched by people that come into our rooms and mm. and, and share their share their deepest darkest mm. with us absolutely mm. absolutely mm. yeah absolutely it was fantastic so when you're um when you're <coughs> when you're working with um with a client and you have a particularly sort of maybe a difficult one or something like that and what your go-tos are aren't necessarily right for that client. What other methodologies are you able to tap into? I think in those moments, like sometimes I've thought, oh, I've just had this thought come in like, I don't know how to help this person. I don't know where to go to next. I literally, I have no idea how I can best serve this person. Um, and I think in that moment, sometimes silence can be quite powerful. Um, and if it takes me a moment, I like, I'll explain, I'm just like processing what you've just told me and then I'm kind of more towards the being in the room rather than thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to say next? How am I going to get back on track? And then something will happen. There will just be a question or the client will speak up and then it's like we're back on track. Mm. So, so the flow just comes back. It comes back. And that's yeah. part of like the magic of it, I suppose, is that um, for me, just trusting the process. I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was studying is just trust the process. Right. And that goes for the client as well as the practitioner, I think. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. Hmm. So you've already mentioned um, that, you know, some of the things that you do to look after yourself. Sure. Um, how do you protect the the people around you from any after after effects <laughs> of those of those clients that you know that just hit your buttons? Yeah. Okay. I I'd have to say I don't think there's been anyone who's come into my room who has triggered me in any particularly um, uh, difficult ways. I'm just trying to think. But um, I think the sadness, the sadness is what gets me, um, what people go through. So... I, I'm really aware of bringing that back home um, and I'm also aware of the boundaries I have in place to keep 
confidentiality um, as well. So, you know, we can't just come home and tell our partners or our friends or family exactly what we've heard and all of that. So that can be very tricky too. Yeah. I, because I encourage my clients to go towards emotions rather than where they've spent life a lifetime avoiding them, denying them, repressing them, um, annihilating them, um, I would sit with that sadness and just be with it for a while, yeah, as a way of processing it rather than mm, having it spill out. Hearing you talking about the, you know, the numbing, the, the sort of annihilating of the emotions mm. reminds me of um, Brene Brown's um, quote of you cannot selectively numb emotions. Yes. Oh, isn't she brilliant? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh, yes. fabulous. Yes, I hate her as well as I love her because <laughs> of how brilliant she yes. is. <laughs> yes. And everything that she does, yes. it's like, oh, oh, she's done it again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, that, I mean, for me, that's a particularly powerful one. Um, I find clients quite often really resonate with that when they're sort of going, oh, well, you know, I don't feel sad, I don't feel sad, I don't feel sad, mm. I don't feel this, I don't feel that. And it's like, well, what do you feel? And they go, oh, you know, and it's like, well, okay, so you're 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 stopping and then you, you tell them and they, they fall into that silence until they're ready to yes. start speaking again and they kind of go, oh, yeah, actually, no, I'm not feeling any of these other things either. I fake it. Ooh. Wow. Yes. And that takes a lot of energy oh, too. It's exhausting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To be fake. Mm. How do you yeah. How do you keep that up? Yeah. Well, eventually you don't. And that's when they end up in, in our rooms mm. usually. Yeah, yes. they've got they've, they're just exhausted by by the process of trying to be something that they're not. Yes, exactly, yes. exactly. So it's mm. fa- fascinating that 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 thing of denying emotions, but thinking we're only denying some emotions. Yes, or selecting selecting a few that we think we're allowed to and are acceptable. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end, and I really want to thank you. But you know, just I, I like to close off with a couple of a couple of little questions. Sure. Okay. And the first one is it's a it's a little bit of a serious one. It's um, what what do you think the future of mental health in Australia looks like? That is a big question. I I have. Uh, Many ideas having been in practice for a few years now and seeing how the industry is and where it um, does fail people, um, where it's actually tried to help people, um, it's not. And without going too much into that, I think no, no, that... Feel free to go into it. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I feel very strongly about, uh, counselling being accessible for more people. Uh, I think the model of, um, the, uh, healthcare rebate is, needs reviewing. 
So for those that are listening, so for those that are listening mm. that are not in Australia, we have um, we have Medi Medicare, which provides um, six sessions from a doctor's referral, a GP's referral, which you then pay 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 you pay for and you get refunded some of the money. And then you have to go back to your GP to get a further four sessions. So a maximum of 10 sessions with a psychologist only in a 12-month period. And that is the access that you have to mental health on the Medicare Mm. system. If you are lucky enough to have private health cover, some of the private health covers allow for counsellors, but most of them only fund social workers or psychologists. Yes. So uh, I think we are blessed in Australia to have that access for sure. Um, And I think that, um, I can't remember what I was going to say on that, Um, but just the availability and the way that the system is actually letting people down. Um, people falling through the cracks, um, that it's very, it's quite narrow-minded as well, Um, that, um, yeah, the people don't know, like the general public don't really know, like, what options there are out there. Mm. Uh, So I do spend a bit of time on my blog posts around, educating and just information around what is, I mean, even the difference between psychology and counselling and psychotherapy, it can be quite baffling yes, it can. to an outsider. Uh, so I think that's really in part, an important part of our, our work. As educational That we piece. do, yes. Yeah, and just people having choice. I mean, if you go through the Medicare avenue that, that becomes public information that insurance providers, I get so angry about that, that <laughs> people don't know yeah. that that's immediately public record as soon as you go to the GP and he signs you up for a... Mental health care plan. Yeah. that's You've just given all these people access to your um, mental health condition. But also you've given that information to the doctor so that's then on your permanent record so it exactly. can actually impact private health cover as well if you don't already have it. Yeah, that's right. That's on your permanent medical record. Yes, yes, and that's what really I just think that that's, that's wrong. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. So there's room for improvement is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely, your Francis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really, yeah, especially, I mean, you look at the rates of suicide amongst men and this is what I mean, like it's people. One in one in four at the moment? Uh, one in four yeah, is female. It, in suicide rates, three, think, three, out of four, three out of four suicides are male. Yeah, that could Between be Between right. the ages of 19 and 42, 40, 43. Could be something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, yeah, the domestic violence, there's some really, I mean, it brings in a lot of social issues basically Um, Mm. and uh, a lot of things that we as a society in Australia, as lucky and as blessed as we are, there's still these really dark places that 
we need to shine a light on. And I think we can do that as therapists. And I think the federal government that's just been re-elected has, um, or in the last three months has just been re-elected, have committed something like $250 million to um, uh, chaplaincy programs in schools and $23 million to mental health improvements. Well, there you go. That's... That just says it all, doesn't it? That just says it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure we could talk politics for a while. Oh, yes. (laughs) And that's what I hate too because it always ends up being political. (laughs) But the thing is this is actually a political issue. I mean, we need to – we do need to focus Mm -hmm. on it because we're not going to get their financial support you know, to have counsellors on Medicare, for instance, which is federal gov- federally government funded, without having those political conversations. That's right. Around mental health. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, and the final question, which is a little bit of fun. <gasps> Thinking back to when you were a teenager and you knew everything, because oh, we all yes. did when we were teenagers. <laughs> yes. If you <laughs> thought you would listen to yourself now, as a teenager, what piece of advice would you give to yourself as a teen to take you through life? Wow. I would say I think what comes up first of all for me is get to know yourself, get to know who you really are and sure, like as we discussed earlier, um, that I wouldn't have had the experiences that I did um, if I'd really had all that wide lens self-awareness. I wouldn't have married the person that I did um, and learned so much from being in that marriage and having two beautiful boys. Um, but still, yep, definitely that would be the first thing I would say. Get to know yourself. Get to know yourself. Mm. Yeah. Is that a piece of advice that you can still still hold on to? Yes, absolutely. And that's always as part of being a therapist. It's what I continue to do as part of my self-development and to be the best that I can be um, in that space for my clients. And... I think it's a really worthwhile process um, to be doing that because it's just, um, it's kind of a mystery and we just keep unravelling little gems and little dark corners that we sometimes don't want to look at but that actually I think that's where the gold is. Looking I, in the dark corners. I had a client describe it to me once as um, one of those licorice all sorts that's got the little, got the aniseed mm, thing mm-hmm, in the middle with yeah. the licorice on the outside. And as you un- unroll it, it gets smaller. Yeah. But you get to know the heart of it in the middle. Yeah. Beautifully which, said. Which I thought was, yeah. <laughs> a, but I loved, I loved that imagery of the yes. licorice all sort with the licorice around Brilliant. the outside. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me and inviting me into your home and inviting all the listeners in as well. Thank you. For sharing something. We will put some information about you in the description of of today's podcast. And I would like to uh, finish up by saying stay well. And you too, Francis. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
thank you for listening to Secrets We Share. If you're interested in sharing some of your secrets, please visit our website at secretkeepercounseling.com.au. Keep an ear out for our next episode soon.